You're listening to South Asia Sphere from Himal South Asian, a bi-weekly roundup of what's been happening across South Asia. This episode was recorded on 3rd October 2023. Hi everyone and welcome to South Asia Sphere, a fortnightly roundup of news events and regional affairs. I'm Raisa and I'm joined by my colleague and fact-checker and researcher Ritika Chauhan. Hi Raisa. Hi Ritika. So this week for our big story we'll be unpacking conversations around the upcoming women's reservation bill and delimitation in India and also talking about recent raids by Delhi police impacting the website Newsclick for around South Asia in 5 minutes we're talking about the reimposition of the internet ban in Manipur BJP MP Ramesh Bidhuri's inflammatory comments in parliament and recent reports by Hindutva Watch and the Washington Post election updates from the Maldives proposed legislation on online speech and anti-terrorism in Sri Lanka price controls imposed on farmers in Myanmar and a recent massacre impacting resistance fighters and administrators also in Myanmar let's begin by talking about what's happening on delimitation in India thanks raisa so in india there has been a lot of discussion about delimitation of the lok sabha constituencies after the government tied it to the implementation of the women's reservation bill which would provide a 33% reservation for women in parliament and state legislative assemblies essentially this means that a census has to be conducted and territorial constituencies have to be redrawn before the women's reservation bill can be passed mahilaon ko adhikar dene ka mahilaon ki shakti ka upyog karne ka wo kaam shayad ishwar ne aise kai pavitra kaam ke liye mujhe chuna hai particularly by the south indian states the reason for this is that the parliamentary seats will be decided based on the census data the current seat division in the lok sabha is actually based on 1971 census data with first indira gandhi and then atal bihari vajpayee's government placing a freeze on seat revision through a constitutional amendment and this is a freeze which expires in 2026 now the idea behind this was to ensure that all states implemented population control measures The southern states are protesting because they stand to lose seats due to their successful implementation of population control while the northern states would gain seats in comparison. The news minute reported that the share of the Lok Sabha seats in South India could drop to 19% from around 23% while the more populous states in North India could see their proportion of MPs rise to almost about 48% from the present 42% metric. Now opposition parties charge that this process will benefit the BJP and weaken the influence of regional parties like the DMK. Now There are several solutions being proposed to address these concerns from reappropriating the existing number of seats to expanding the Lok Sabha and rejigging the Rajya Sabha so that even state gets two representatives irrespective of population while decentralization has also been proposed. Now it's notable that the new parliament building can house up to 888 MPs indicating that the union government is considering increasing the representation in the Lok Sabha. 
Delimitation has been in the news across the border in Pakistan as well, with Pakistan's election commission saying that an election date cannot be announced before a delimitation exercise is concluded. On the morning of October 3rd, Delhi police raided the homes of several journalists who were working at the Indian news website NewsClick, as well as NewsClick's officers. Now, these raids took place in connection with the case filed under the provisions of the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act and Sections 153A and 120B of India's Penal Code. NewsClick's editor, Prabir Purkayasta, journalist Abhisar Sharma, Aunindyo Chakravarti, Basha Singh and satirist Sanjay Rajaura said that their homes had been raided and laptops and phones were seized by the police. Similar action was also taken against the Mumbai-based activist and director of the think tank Tricontinental Institute for Social Research, Tista Setelvad. She was also targeted because Tricontinental has written articles for NewsClick. And all of this is happening in the backdrop of a New York Times article, which made the claim that NewsClick received funds from a network centered around the American millionaire Neville Roy Singham to spread Chinese propaganda around the world. And this is a charge that editor Purkayasta denied and said was false. But this incident is just another example of how legislation like the UAPA is being used to crack down on freedom of the press in India. And now for our next segment, Around South Asia in 5 Minutes. On the 9th of September 2023, the much-anticipated first round of the presidential elections in the Maldives ended with no candidates securing the minimum 50% of the required votes. As a result, the elections headed for a second round, which was scheduled for September 30th, 2023. Although eight candidates joined the presidential race, it ultimately came down to two candidates, Mohamed Muizu of the Progressive Alliance, which is a coalition between the Progressive Party of the Maldives and the People's National Congress, and the incumbent Ibrahim Soli of the ruling Maldivian Democratic Party. Muizu took a surprise lead in the first round with 46% of the votes, and Soli was only able to garner 39% of the vote. After this first round, the Maldives Development Alliance, which had initially formed a coalition with the MDP for the presidential election, decided to shift its support to Muizu and the Progressive Alliance for the second round. On October the 1st, it was reported that Muizu had won the election, beating the incumbent Soli with roughly 54% of the vote. Now, on the ballot were issues relating to the ongoing housing crisis in the overcrowded capital and Maldives' declining dollar reserves. However, much more of the international coverage portrayed it as a win for China. And this is because Muizu was seen as being more pro-China and the incumbent Soli was reportedly more open to working with India. Now, a campaign which was led by the then opposition called India Out also drew attention to and raised suspicions about India's investment in the Maldives. We've been following the Maldivian presidential election closely and we'll link to some of our coverage in the episode notes. On Tuesday, September 26, Manipur once again suspended mobile internet services just two days after internet services were restored there following the fresh protests in the state that flared up after two Meethi students were brutally murdered. Scores of students took to the streets and marched towards Chief Minister N. Biren Singh's residence demanding injustice for the victims. The unrest took place after photos of the two students' bodies, Hijam Linthoing Gambi and Fijam Hemjeet, went viral on social media. Internet services have been suspended for five more days in the state. 
In our last episode of South Asia Sphere, we spoke about the Editors Guild of India's fact-finding report on Manipur, which highlighted the impact of the internet ban on journalism and making it harder for the press to access verified information and allowing for the spread of misinformation in the state. We've reported on the impacts of Manipur's internet ban in the past episodes of South Asia Sphere. So do check them out in our episode notes. On September 21st, BJP MP Ramesh Bidori used Islamophobic language towards Kunwa Danish Ali of the opposition Bahujan Samaj Party inside India's parliament. Now, the remarks drew anger from social media users and opposition party members who demanded that strict action be taken against Bidori. In return, the BJP claimed that Ali had used unparliamentary language insulting Prime Minister Modi in an earlier speech. Now, Bidhuri's comments has to be looked at in the backdrop of a recent report by Hindutva Watch. This report found 255 documented incidents of hate speech targeting Muslims in the first half of 2023, with spikes reported in many states with upcoming elections in 2023 and 2024. It's also important to note that about 80% of the hate speech events took place in states governed by the BJP. Meanwhile, the Washington Post released an article unpacking how the head of Bajrang Dal, Monu Manesar, used social media platforms, including YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram to livestream cow vigilante-related violence, only to be verified on the same platforms. For example, Manisar, who was also wanted in connection with recent communal violence in Haryana, recently won a Silver Creator Award from YouTube for reaching 100,000 subscribers and was also verified by Facebook and Instagram. These platforms were also slow to remove his content despite him promoting violence. The Washington Post report also highlights Manesar's links with the BJP Information Minister Anurag Thakur, while the Hindutva Watch report noted that as many as 52% of recorded hate speech during gatherings in BJP-ruled states and union territories were orchestrated by entities affiliated with, for example, the RSS, the VHP, Bajrang Dal, the Sakal Hindu Samaj, and the BJP itself. We'll link to both these important reports and our past coverage in the episode notes. In Sri Lanka, the government is attempting to pass a suite of legislation that will impact freedom of expression online and freedom of movement. On September 19, 2023, the government gazetted the Online Safety Bill, which while purporting to address misinformation, defamation, and hate speech targeting minorities, could be used to suppress online freedom of expression due to its vague provisions on defining what harmful speech exactly is. Criticism has also been levelled at the Online Safety Commission, which has been bestowed with substantial powers which could be used to crack down on dissent. This is key, given the widespread protests last year in the wake of Sri Lanka's economic crisis, where many protesters used social media to organise and disseminate information that was often critical of the government. And on September 15, the government published an anti-terrorism bill, which is a revision of an earlier version, which was gazetted in March, which continues to contain broad definitions of terrorism and may also be used to crack down on dissent, including protests and collective action. In Myanmar, the junta has imposed price controls on farmers that will see them struggling to make profits. The price controls have been imposed on the farmers' sales of rice to dealers. Previously, farmers were able to negotiate these prices with dealers. Now, the Myanmar Rice Federation announced the controls, adding that these new prices would ensure appropriate profits for farmers, stabilize rice prices, 
and reduce the financial burden on consumers hit by surging food prices. But what the farmers are saying is that while the price of rice has risen, it's traders who are raking in these profits while they are struggling to get by. And this is particularly the case with rising fertilizer and fuel prices. The repression imposed by the junta is more than just economic, of course. On September 23rd, the junta killed 24 resistance fighters from Che Yartao People's Defense Force and two civilian Mianmu Township Administration staff. The fighters were armed, but they lacked automatic rifles and sufficient ammunition and surrendered to forces, Irrawaddy reported. Now, these killings occur in the backdrop of a recent report from the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, which reported a sharp rise in rights violations between April 2022 and July 2023. And this included an increase in incidents in which 10 or more people were killed. The report also detailed how junta troops torched nearly 24,000 houses and buildings since the beginning of 2023 alone. And this is part of what it calls a four-cut strategy to deny its opponents access to food, funds, intelligence and recruits. The elections for the WHO Southeast Asia Regional Office came under the spotlight as Bangladesh Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina's daughter is contesting for the top post. Hasina's daughter, Saima Wazid, accompanied her mother to the G20 summit in New Delhi, hoping to help secure India's vote for the top post. Wazid has a master's degree in psychology with a specialization in autism, and she is going up against Nepal's Shambhu Prashad Acharya, one of the WHO's most senior officials. News of Bangladesh's nominee raised questions from health experts on Wazid's suitability for the role and the WHO election process overall, the Financial Times has reported. Wazid has said that the accusations of nepotism are offensive and cited her experience in advocacy as a part of her experience. It must also be noted that Wazid also holds an advisory position in a government committee on autism and neurodevelopmental disorders. The WHO's regional directors are hugely influential in the health body's hierarchy, working closely with the headquarters in Geneva to set and execute policy goals. And now it's time for our next segment, Book Month. Raisa, what are we talking about today? Do you have any recommendations? Yes, Ritika. So this episode, I'd like to talk about a novel, The Laughter, written by Sonora Jha. This recommendation is actually from our assistant editor, Nayantara Narayanan. It touches on themes of prejudice and xenophobia, inclusion and Muslim identity. Um, Now, this novel is set in the US, specifically in Seattle, and the protagonist is a white scholar, Oliver Hagding, who becomes obsessed with Ruhaba Khan, who is a Pakistani law professor and his colleague. Now, Kirkus Reviews notes that Harding's character juxtaposes both a lack of self-awareness with academic grandiosity, which makes for a lot of comic relief. Kirkus Reviews also notes that Ja impressively avoids the trap of preachiness and moralizing that stories of identity politics on campus tend to fall into. Rather, hers is a subtle and nuanced look at the subject. Kirkus Reviews adds that this novel subverts layer upon layer of assumptions about campus culture, identity politics, religion, the East versus West debate, racism and terrorism. And we'll link to some interesting reviews, including the review from Kirkus Reviews in the episode notes. Thanks, Raisa. It does sound like an interesting book. Well, while we are there, I would also like to let everyone know that this weekend we are kicking off another edition of Screen South Asia. This time, we will be screening 
broken and the story of one two short documentaries by sri lankan director kanan arunasalam from october 6 to 9 with a q and a session with the director on october 9 at 6 pm ist we will drop the sign up links for you all in the episode notes and on that note that's it for the edition of south asia sphere thanks everyone and stay tuned for more from us super soon Thank you for listening to South Asia Sphere. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Himal South Asian social media channels to make sure you don't miss the next episode. Head to our website himalmag.com to see more of Himal's work, and please support our work by becoming a member. Check out our membership plans at himalmag.com/membership.